currently trying to work out what month it really is. Welcome to episode 153 of Under the means that there's a month still to go of winter here in Argentina, and I assure you it does not feel like it in Buenos Aires today. I'm sweating having walked about 12 blocks from my house to Peter's house. Um, I'm joined here by Peter Coates, as ever. Hello. And also by, uh, equally as ever, Andres Bruckner. Hello. Welcome back, gents. Um, now, we've got one thing to talk about that will, if nothing else, increase the listenership of this episode quite a bit, so we're going to do it first, and it is, of course the transfer of Federico Fernandez to Swansea City from Napoli, um, and also the transfer of his international teammate, Marcos Rojo, to the rather less well-known Manchester United uh, from... Oh, bloody hell, I almost said Benfica then. Uh, from Sporting Club de Portugal. Um, I think it is fair to mention both of them, and I apologise if I've offended any Swansea uh, fans with the slightly sarcastic intro there, it wasn't uh, intended as offence um, but really, part of my point is let's not forget that Fernandez has also transferred to the Premier League because most of the Argentine media seems to have forgotten that fact um, they're both defenders, they were both involved in Argentina's World Cup squad and I think it's fair to say that they had rather different levels of performance during the World Cup, is it not? Yeah, certainly I think... Uh... If we're two, two very good examples in the squad of um, people's reputations that went up and down uh, in the process of the World Cup would, would be those two really I guess I mean Fernandez was for sure one of the starting centre-backs um, that I think everyone watching Argentina in the qualifiers would have named as the Zico Garay's central partner um, and by the end of the group stage was the player that everyone was calling and did fall out of the team yes. on, on the other hand Rocco with the opposite someone pre-tournament who was considered a weak link and by the end was the sort of the hero but certainly someone who is <laughs> struggling for words yeah, so, someone who played above himself I think it's fair to uh, so, or at least played above people's expectations of him um, and for a lot of Argentines was the best Argentine of the World Cup yeah which given that they somehow managed to get to the final in spite of one of the uh, odds that got stacked against them with, with injuries to the attacking line and, and whatnot, um, is, is no small feat. Andres, you look like you have something to say. Yes, it's, there are some points which are uh, re- remarkable and, and, and this, uh, deserve to be mentioned. One of them is that Federico Fernandez will play against the player that quit him from the team, from the national starting eleven team, Argentina of course, uh, which is uh, who is uh, Martin De Michelis? Uh, Swansea play City this week. No, no, he will play against. Uh, we will play, we'll face Federico Fernandez. Will face when there is a Swansea oh, against Manchester yeah, yeah. yeah, match. Uh, 
he will play against the, the, the one who prevent, uh, pre prevented him from uh, following being the, 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 the in a certain lineup for, for the World Cup. Uh, and I think is I know which of the transfers are more surprising. If the one from Rojo, the, the one of Rojo from Sporting Lisboa to, to Manchester United, or the, the one you mentioned uh, that, uh, of Federico Fernandez from Napoli to, to Swansea City. Mm. I think both of them are ones that we wouldn't have picked out before the World Cup happened. I, in fact, I think Rojo to Manchester United would probably have been unimaginable before the World Cup happened. Um, Fernandez to Napoli, uh, from Napoli to Swansea perhaps makes a little more sense, but it still wasn't maybe, I don't know. Did we expect them? No, at all? before no. the time, no. Sure. Obviously, we were expecting Rojas by the time it, it went through because it had been talked about for so long. Um, Let me say that, sorry, that at least in the case of Marcos Rojo, uh, his surname matches with the team he's joining. Yes, it's a case of nominative determinism uh, because Rojo is Spanish for red, as many of our listeners are probably already aware because I'm sure at least some of them speak Spanish. Um, Ooh, what was I going to say? The other point that we need to make about Marcos Rojo is that uh, although it's many Manchester United fans have already guessed this, um, it, it's that he's not likely, really, I think, to be playing in the position that he played in during the World Cup. Um, in the World Cup, he was left back or left wing back, depending on which system you, um, uh, Argentina um, uh, played with. We're all really struggling for words this evening, aren't we? For Manchester United, I would expect him to play more of a left centre-back role. Um, that's partly because, as we already know, they spent an enormous sum of money on a left wing-back, or left-back, Luke Shaw. And it's partly because Louis Van Gaal, we apologise for the dog. Um, can you hear that? Yeah, yeah. I can hear him quite loudly on the headphones. Um, it's partly because Louis Van Gaal was already known to want a left-footed centre-back, and, well, he couldn't afford Matt Stumbles. Um, he couldn't get most of his main targets and that's, that's one of the things isn't it is Rojo going to be an upgrade on the centre-backs United have already got Phil Jones Chris Smalling Johnny Evans yes you think I think of the names you just mentioned yeah but I mean that's not because those are the three first choice centre-backs for United yeah. obviously he's going to be an upgrade this weekend at least in one sense which is that he's going to be on the pitch um, as opposed to sitting in the physios room injured um, and that I think is, is the central point really whether or not he proves to be an upgrade or not he's not a significant downgrade either and he's going to be playing if you're going to play three at the back for a season then you can't afford to do what they did against Swansea funnily enough on the opening weekend um, and have two reserves making their debuts um, on the pitch I think Van Al uh, spoke about his versatility is obviously something which attracted him to the club and I think uh, he, he will be an upgrade in that when they if they when they play three at the back on the left side of the, of the three, but the versatility that if they went to a, like a four man defence, he could easily then shift across to the, to play at left back, or if he kept in a three five two, he could even go and play on the left as the, as a wing back. So I see. I see. So I see. Marcos Rojo more more a, a, a likely like a, a sacrifice a player than a talent, but. Uh, I, we don't know if he will really be, uh, be an upgrade for, for Manchester United staff uh, squad 
what we already know is that uh, Luis Van Gaal had very good words on him, um, saying that he played a very good World Cup, that he has already been playing for a pair of seasons in Europe, and, and that means uh, he will, uh, well, he, that he asked for, for, for him, and it's not that the, the Marcos Rojo uh, fell in, in Manchester and, and, and he, dis, he doesn't know him. He, he asked for him, and, and, and today there were some, some words that uh, Bangal uh, uh, said on, on, on Rojo that well proves that. So I'm not sure. I mean, I, uh, he's not going to have anything bad to say about the new signing anyway. I don't think it doesn't necessarily mean that he named him specifically to the board. Uh, but that's um, perhaps a subject more for a Manchester United podcast than an Argentine football one. Um, Rojo, I think, has the potential to be a qualified success. Um, he's played most of his best football under Alejandro Sabela early on in his career at Estudiantes and obviously very recently for Argentina I don't think it's any surprise that Sabela is a manager who is um, <coughs> is very specific in terms of the instructions that he gives his players to get the best out of each individual particularly as we, <coughs> as we know in defence um, Van Gaal is, is, uh, seems to manage along very similar lines. Every player gets a full dossier on their exact opponent before games and is given a, a lot of very specific instructions. And one thing that Van Gaal did say that, um, th- th- that struck me as being um, entirely in keeping with the kind of player who, who plays well under Sabella is that uh, Rojo seems to be a, a player who is willing to learn, is eager to learn. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that might stand him in good stead, as with a bit of pace in the back line for United as well. Um, as for Fernandes when Fernandes is talked about for Swansea I'm tempted to go with the old football manager adage of never sign a player just on the back of a World Cup performance or a European Championship performance because it's a lot of matches uh, a a small number of matches sorry in in isolation played a very small amount of time in really bizarre circumstances in comparison with, with most club football and so you will end up with a player who might be great at international tournaments and actually doesn't look that special at club level. Miroslav closer springs to mind in real life, not in football manager. Um, and Fernandes almost could turn out to be a kind of reverse of that, couldn't he? He had a rubbish World Cup, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be bad across the course of the season. I, I think he could be okay. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't write him off on, on the basis of... Both started out at Estudiantes, of course, by the way, as well. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Looks like Rojo... Because of, of, of the very good World Cup he had, uh, like he won his transfer to Manchester United. And in the case of Federico Fernandez, even though he not didn't play a very good World Cup, uh, apparently the Swansea members, the board members, saw, saw in him uh, a player that can that uh, has already been playing in Europe, and because of his career, not because of a. a of the World Cup because clearly he didn't play well and he lost his 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 position uh, in, in hands of uh, of, of the Michelis so uh, yes it's, uh, perhaps it's well uh, who is the uh, centre back that has has a, a experience and has been already playing in Europe and, and they must have seen him as a as a as a good uh, centre back but yes it's not easy to understand the the, in the case of Fernandez, uh, the, the transfer to, 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 to Swansea. 
I think also something I've, I've noticed since the World Cup is that the press in England seems to have been still pretty positive about Fernandez, um, and, and everything I've read about him at the World Cup has just been he was Argentina's starting centre back and let and lost out his lost his place due to injury. Um, there's no mention of sort of his quite poor performance. Whereas I think the the attitude in Argentina was a lot more negative and. Everyone was saying it was more of getting dropped rather than oh, he's got injured and now Demichelis is going to come in and replace him. Yes, well that's certainly how I read it at the time because he was awful. Yeah, no, I mean that's everyone that I, that me and well we discussed. I'm sure in Argentina read it like that, but everything I've read, especially in light of the transfer, it just mentions how unfortunately he got injured at the World Cup and then was replaced. Whereas I see. I didn't really see it like that. We shall see. We shall see. Uh, two Argentine defenders playing in the English league at any rate should be good for Hamlet Pod's visibility, if nothing else. And uh, we hope that you've enjoyed our very in-depth and um, well-thought-out opinions on, on how these two will, will go. Andres is waving at me, so I'm going to let him say some words now. Yes, we have, in this case, uh, with Federico Fernandez and, and uh, Rojo, four defenders in the Premier League. Because we have a Virginie for Sunderland, yeah. who has already been playing this season, and Fabrizio Colaccini for Newcastle. For yeah. And Demichelis. And Demichelis, five. Yeah. Yes. A lot of, of centre-backs, and sounds strange, really. And also, if we're talking about um, Argentines that could increase the uh, interest in, in uh, the pod, then perhaps Eric Lamella's re-emergence well, yeah. yes that, that, that's, that's quite right if Lamela gets the chance to shine at Tottenham under an Argentine manager um, Pochettino uh, then this I think really this is a make or break season for Lamela he just came off the bench he's, he's still very young of course so he's got a career ahead of him even if he doesn't bend down at Tottenham but um, yeah game changing substitutes appearing today in the uh, Europa League qualifiers right yeah what he did he do? I, I've no, I think completely offline. I think he so. came. They were losing one, then he came off the bench with uh, twenty minutes to go and made both goals. Well, good stuff. Well done, Eric. Two assistants, yes, for for the yeah. Tottenham to turn turn around the, the score. Yeah, and and of course another Argentine, uh, Julian Speroni, as well, the Crystal Palace goalkeeper, who once introduced an episode of Hand of Pod. Thank you very much to Ed Mallion for that. Uh, if you're a Crystal Palace fan who started listening since it happened, then I can't tell you which episode it is. Sorry, because I've forgotten. But it is literally just him saying, Hi, this is Julian Speroni and this is Hannah Pod, and that's it. Um, anyway, there is other stuff happening as well. Since we last recorded, Gerardo Martino has named his first Argentina squad, and as we expected, the 20 players from outside Argentina who he has named are the 20 players who went to the World Cup. We already knew that was going to happen. It's a, a reward to them, he says. It's probably the alpha leaning a little bit on him. Uh, to reward them. What we don't know is the three players who are going to be called up from the local league. Of course, we assume that those players are going to be Agustin Orion, the third-choice goalkeeper, who is first choice at Boca Juniors, uh, Fernando Gago, the God knows how many choices at, uh, in, in midfield, who is also first choice at Boca Juniors, which says a lot about Boca Juniors at present, and Maxi Rodriguez, who of course is from Newell's Old Boys, where Martino um, cut his teeth managerially speaking and as a player indeed as well uh, so footballistically speaking overall um, we'd assume it's going to be those three but Carlos Bianchi Boca Juniors boss has uh, not 
Not happy about it. Yeah, he, he's voiced his displeasure at the idea, hasn't he? Because then it would mean that Bokka are missing mostly Orion, <laughs> but also Gago, um, who, for Bianchi at least, still seems to be an important player, uh, for one match against, I think it's Olimpo, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's Olimpo, it's either Olimpo Central, somebody who's got yellow in the kit anyway, if I remember rightly. Um, should the Argentine League pause for international breaks? Because Boca losing the, this Fuenzalita kit as well, he's been called up by Chile. Or, or would it just, would Boca be the only beneficiaries if it did? Well, we went to the last week talking about cramming matches into an already custard fixture, and <laughs> they then had international breaks to contend with. We're looking at even, even more uh, matches during the week, so I don't know. I don't know if it's that necessary. No, not at all. But it's certainly something Carlos Bianchi would like to have. Well, yeah, understandably. Yeah, he's not going to draw the fit. He hasn't got to draw the fit. list. The problem is that uh, behind Orion is uh, Tripoli, which is, who is not, uh, apparently, is not uh, reliable. And, and, and in, in this case, if Bianchi is angry because Orion is called up for a friendly, that means no confidence on him, on, on, on Tripoli. Yeah. I, he, he, who didn't have many opportunities to show uh, if he's good enough to, 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 to be the Goboka goalkeeper, uh, to uh, say, no, Tripoli is not good? Or, or Well, he had some opportunities during last season when Orion got called up for World Cup qualifiers and friendlies, and Tripoli mostly showed that Agustin Orion should very much be Boca Juniors' first choice goalkeeper. Yes. Um, that's probably part of the problem. But for... Uh, for, in terms of the squad for the Argentina squad again sorry would we personally have liked to see any changes for this one even though we knew there were never going to be any on the board just this first friendly if we were Argentina boss and the AFA told us you can call up whoever you want for this friendly it doesn't have to be those 23 would we have changed very much or would you stick for now with the most recent squad already know each other and not there I think there is there aren't many changes you could do some or Martino could make some changes and, and start to call up his players yeah. because he has uh, it's like Sabella being the, the manager right now the, the coach uh, but I think he will focus more on, on uh, next year uh, friendlies and, and Copa America and, and, and uh, well qualifiers of course so I think this this first uh, friendly I see I, I see even not very I, I see logical uh, to, 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 to keep the players that have already played for the World Cup I don't know if it's like a prize for them because it's, it's not much of a prize that's the thing it's a friendly so on the one hand you can say yeah it's against Germany it's, it's playing against to settle the score but it's not the same winning a friendly as it is winning the World Cup it's final. playing again against the, the team you defeat you in the, in the, in the such important match like a final and now he's facing them in a friendly but uh, it's too many, too little time in order to plan plan something different because uh, uh, there was there was the Grandona there, the, the some uh, problems to, to meet Martino. Then Martino didn't uh, answer uh, very quickly and friendly in two weeks time. It's not very very I think uh, uh, likely to 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 make a lot of changes right now it's not time to, to, to practice anyway 
No, that's that's a good point as well. He's going to have a team at least two who know each other on the training ground as well as uh, uh, as just being familiar with each other's faces as well, which which uh, is is big. On the off chance that listeners can hear the music in the background, I'm afraid there's nothing we can do about that. It's not audible once I took the earphones off, but it's quite booming up with the earphones that I'm going to be on. I really hope that's not coming through on the microphone. Um, so apologies. Uh, for now, however, I'm going to play some music and we're going to take a very short break and we shall come back and discuss some of the domestic league action from last weekend and what we've got coming up this weekend. So don't go anywhere. We had a weekend of action uh, last weekend um, in the second round of the Torneo Transicion 2014, which only contained two away victories. One of which, having just mentioned how poor Boca Juniors are at the moment, was Boca Juniors' fourth consecutive away victory in the league. It was a 1-0 win away to Belgrano, and didn't they do well? Didn't they do everything they possibly could to deserve it, gents? It was, I think, uh, for the moment in which the, the goal was scored, a uh, sealed nil-nil score. And Mariano had a very good opportunity just before that the goal, the, the, the play in which uh, Higliotti headed the ball to, to score the 0-1. The yeah, it was Belgrano's chance, was it Jorge Velasquez? No, it was Manzanelli, the one. Uh, Manzanelli, of course, yeah, yes, put yeah. it straight at Agostino Real in goal. Uh, yes. who all the same had to put up a very quick reaction so did and then one minute later this is t- two minutes into two minutes of stoppage time the ball was in the Belgrano having been headed in by Gigliotti from I think pretty much the first attempt on target that Boca had all game yes the best uh, the best uh, Belgrano were awful as well it must be said it was a, a pretty bad game all round but. Belgrano is, I think has a lot of uh, a very bad record in terms of, of consecutive not winning matches and the, the 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 play in which or this the cross or the pass uh, for Higliotti was made by by Federico Carrizo. I think the best by far uh, signing for Boca this tournament. Yeah, he hit the crossbar for Boca in the first half and just generally got right head and shoulders the best uh, Boca Juniors player on the pitch. Um, and the only real bright spot I think of that performance for Boca fans. I'm struggling to think of. Um, any other kind of encouragement that you could take from it if you were a Boca supporter obviously we don't have any Boca supporters here um, but it, they, they didn't look great all the same they've got three points on the board uh, which is very important after the matter they were outplayed in their own stadium in the opening weekend against Newells when they lost 1-0 um, what did you make of um, Belgrano's two penalty shots? I only saw one of them and I thought it was a bit sort of 50-50 I don't think it was as nailed on as the one round, round the goalkeeper or yeah. yeah what was the other one? Yes. 
The other one was in the second half. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember who was involved, but he, similar, I guess, like a, a touch around the defender and then. Mm. But they, they weren't so clear. The problem is with Belgrano is that they they remain. They have the memory of the previous match uh, that was played in Cordoba against uh, between Belgrano and Boca with the Maglio yeah. poor. Uh, uh, the, 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 Worse, the, the worse, uh, uh, yes, Maglio was poor in, the, in that case and, and, and uh, disallowed the clear goal, I think. Yes, of course, yeah, I've forgotten about that. They would, was it 2 1 up or 1 0 up at the time? Had a correct goal, wrong and disallowed, and then Boca scored twice and ended up winning 3 2. Yes. That sounds right, doesn't it? Around the 2 or 2 1, 2 1, I think. I think it was 3 Let's have a look uh, on Promielos, has got all of the. Bear with us for a minute, listeners. The last match in Cordoba between the sides, yeah, it was 2 1 to Boca, in fact, yeah. They were 1 0, Belgrano were 1 0 up. They had a goal, and we disallowed. Uh, no, they didn't. Riquelme equalised just a couple of minutes. Belgrano took a very early lead. Riquelme equalised for a penalty 10 minutes in. And then in the second half, Belgrano had a goal that should have put them 2-1 up, um, which was not given. Um, and Daniel Diaz got the winner late on from a headed corner. Now that I'm reading it out, I can remember it. Partly because that's the only time he ever scores anyway. You know, if it's a Daniel Diaz goal, it's a header from corner. Um, so it's not great for Belgrano. Andres mentioned that they've lost a lot of games in a row. I don't know about lost in a row, but they've certainly opened this season with two consecutive defeats. And overall in the league, they are nine matches without winning. Um... At home, four matches without winning in a way, they're eight games without winning. That's not healthy, is it? Um, we've also already, as Peter brought up, uh, talked about dodgy penalty calls for Boca, so it's only fair now that we sway the other way and mention a dodgy penalty call that was not given against River Plate. Andres and I are both River fans, so it's difficult to be entirely objective on this, but Twitter exploded in a seething rage of that was a penalty bigger than the stadium and all that kind of stuff. I don't think it was quite that obvious on the replay I think it was probably a penalty but I'm not sure I just just at that moment I wasn't watching the match which is real <laughs> it's not that I'm saying that oh I, I didn't watch it and, and I was really watching it well there was uh, a loose ball that, that got played towards Chiarini River, River's goalkeeper of course because Barabero's injured at the moment and he on the edge of his box went down to, to scoop it up was waiting for the ball to run into his, his uh, hands and just like that long before the ball did run into his hands, the central forward. Ah, you mean the yes, Sunday match the, against Central? Yes, yes, yes Franco Niel was Franco Niel. Thank you. Yes. Uh, ran sort of ran across him, yes. just got to the ball just before, and then clattered him. Um, it wasn't a foul from Niel. I'm not really sure yes. it was a foul from Chiarini either. I mean, there wasn't anything he could have done. About was, it. The, the the commentators discussed the play a lot of times, which means yeah. that it's not clear. And if it's not clear, you can't. Uh, Say that the referee was wrong. Uh, I think it was more. Uh, it was disaster. Uh, more in disaster like the, the yesterday referee Alvarez in the match against River against Colón for the Copa Argentina. Yes, which I did not see. But it finished nil nil, didn't it? River yes, and River beat Colón penalties and yes, referee clearly benefit River and was clear. Uh, but in that case, uh, they play again. Uh, that uh, Niel uh, like 
it just kicked the ball before Carini tried to grab it. Yeah. It wasn't clear penalty for me. Uh, the problem here is that all the, the, the teams that feel they are uh, disallowed and a goal uh, and wasn't offside and that kind of stuff, of stuff uh, complain all the time and, 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 and if they are benefit it's, not, it's, it's okay. It's not a Nothing. To, there is nothing to say. That's the problem here. Not that they are. Of course, big, the big teams are by far benefit, uh, and, and the the smaller ones are, are all, all the time are are, are like uh, the other way. They, they aren't benefited. Persecuted. Yes. Punished. Um, what all of this fuss did detract from slightly was the fact that River Plate's performance in that match was magnificent. Imperious. It was almost a rollback to the days of La Machina. I'm going a bit far now, uh, but they were very, very good. They won 2-0 um, with the the second goal, a fantastic finish from Leonardo Piscolici coming after that penalty. Um, Furore, let's say. The first one, uh, the opener, was from Teofilo Gutierrez, who is 100% committed to the River Plate cause, regardless of what any of us say about him. I'm raising my eyebrows now. It's not the best thing to do on a podcast to convey irony because you can't see me doing it, but there we go. Um, he, uh, he's, he continues to be a bellend, and from what I've read, he was quite poor last night. He, he was having arguments with teammates and stuff. As I said, I didn't see the game. Um, but uh, Rodolfo Donofrio, the River Plate president, says that he's not going anywhere, so it must be true. In the, in, if, in ten, if in 10 days' time there is no a real offer, he will have to be committed. Because yeah. that would mean he will stay at River Plate at least at, uh, until December. And, and, uh, uh. and I think River. Sorry, I clicked my tongue very loudly then. Uh, didn't mean to. I think the River would be okay with that, really, right? Staying until December. Okay, they'd have to replace him for the Copa Libertadores, but really, he'd have been there for a year and a half by December, wouldn't he? So he's only at the beginning of last season? That sounds about right. Or maybe even two years, and that's about as long as you can expect Elba Gutierrez to remain at one club without doing something even stupider um, than the stuff that we've already seen him do. He'd been at Racing for about a season and a half before he pulled a gun on one of his teammates in the dressing room, for example. Um, so I, I think it's fair to say that December's probably Tails' cut-off point for River. Yeah. Beyond that, we're going to have to look for a replacement. Kevin Aki, hopefully, is going to be back in the, the problem for, in a way that's a replacement. The problem so. for him is that he, he has that behavior. I, we, we see that. I, I don't see any team who that will, will have uh, like to sign him. Because today. And, and well, and then, if he's going to play like he did, particularly in the first half against Central on Sunday, you could see some interest because he was absolutely unplayable. It was, uh, he, he laid a couple of chances on plays for teammates who missed them. He scored one himself. He could have had another. He, he was superb. Um, it, it was most bizarre. As a result of that, River have four points from two matches because, of course, they drew the first match 1-1 away to Gimnasia. And how did the other teams do? Well, on Friday evening, uh, we had just the one match between Newell's Old Boys and Gimnasia La Plata, and it finished 1-1. It was pretty boring. That one that wasn't a classic. In front of Martina. In front of Gerardo Martina, yeah, you're quite right. Um, did Ma- Maxi score, didn't he? Maxi Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah, so he's, uh, he's basically guaranteed the, uh, that, that international call-up. Um, one big piece of news for Newell's is that both Mauricio Tevez, 
who the youngster who scored in La Bombonera on his new one's debut uh, in the opening weekend to give him that 1-0 win over Boca um, he's broken a metatarsal I think it's him isn't it Tevez has broken a metatarsal and and Skoko oh sorry Ezequiel Ponce he's the one I was thinking of yeah. Ezequiel Ponce Ponce, uh, Ponce Ponce has broken a metatarsal he's out for about three months he's the, the youngster he's about 18 might be 19 now um, uh, who did very well when he broke through last season and as Andres says uh, yesterday in training that's Thursday Wednesday but it took me three attempts Wednesday in training um, he broke down with an adductor strain which is going to keep him out for about three weeks um, so Newells are going to have some interesting tactical jiggery buggery to do up front um, it's going to leave them with a centre f- uh, a forward line because they tend to play three across the front of Maxi on one side uh, Tevez of course on the other and then centre forward they will have to invent some position for I think I know, I know Victor Figueroa for example yeah. playing there in the, in the, in the forward in the I thought uh, Skogo was quite fortunate to get away anyway he appeared to spit one of the Gymnastic uh, players. Can oh, you're right. Yes, he did. Uh, I can't remember which gymnastic player it was. Player who scored yeah. their goal. The Don Basatides. Yeah. Yes. Yes, and they both got booked for it because the referee saw Basatides' reaction and saw them arguing that hadn't seen the the spit, so they both just got a yellow card. Um, so that's your Ignacio Scoco uh, update. Some of them fans not a brilliant <laughs> way for him. <laughs> 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 Um, on Saturday we had uh, four matches they were Olimpo 2 Tigre 1 that was a very boring indeed first half followed by a really quite entertaining second um, we then skipped the match and then we had Vélez Sarsfield 2 Arsenal 1 and then the final day the match of the evening was Estudiantes 1 Independiente 0 which was a really pretty poor match all round yeah. for the second half as well as the first Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it's to be able to just about deserve the win that neither side would really yeah I, th- I think they I mean Independiente had most of the possession without really ever creating any any um, clear chances and to, although Estudiantes weren't brilliant they did have a goal wrongly um, chalked off in the first half yes they did before um, Ernesto Gongi the left back um, did you hear about how they decided to take the free kick no why is that Pisano didn't play in the... Yeah, well, I was going to mention that, because I think it's a bit of a shame. But Pizzini, the young kid... No, Mateus Pisano, he wasn't even in the squad. Oh, Pisano, oh, why not? Because apparently, when he was subbed against Atletico Rafaela, he made some gesture. Uh, he, so he was, he'd been dropped, and I think it had a very negative effect on that independiente. It was a very different performance from obviously they were away rather than at home and in Argentina in the last couple of years that counts for a hell of a lot. But yeah, um, and um, it was a very different performance in the last Right. Which I think made a big difference. Not that obviously he's just come to the club himself, but I think what was promising from the first week was the interplay between Lucero and Riano, and it would have been nice to get a few games with them playing together up front. Riano should be back uh, this weekend, yeah. apparently. He's overcome that injury that kept him out. Um, but yeah, the free kick that Estudiantes won from was um, a very, very well taken one from left back and left footed player. 
and an escort gondi just to the left as a studiantes and looking at it of, of the penalty box. And um, I think it was him and Roman Martinez or Joaquin Correa who were standing over it. Whoever the other guy was was right-footed. And Gondi, I saw him on a TV interview. I just switched the TV on for a couple of minutes um, yesterday when I was having lunch. And saw Gondi saying that, uh, being interviewed by Tay saying, saying, yeah, what happened was that he was standing over the free kick and I told him, let me run over the ball and fake and then you take the free kick. And while I was running up, I changed my mind and I thought I'd just belt it. <laughs> He went straight in the top corner. It was a, it was a brilliant free kick. Um, the other match on Saturday that I mentioned that we will skip because I wanted to come back to it, even though chronologically we're now out of order, was the second game of the weekend, and it was probably so the second game of the afternoon, the third game of the weekend overall, and it was probably the most entertaining. Um, it was between two of the newly promoted sides. I saw somebody tweet. Um, it might have been you, Andres, uh, after, after the first weekend, or possibly after the Copa Argentina 4-0 win that Banfield got against Quilmes last week, um, that whether Banfield win or lose, they should be one of the most entertaining teams to watch in the Primera this season, because they don't really appear to have any concept of playing safe. And that was very much what, what happened this time around as well. Um, it was them against Defensa y Justicia, who were playing, of course, just their second ever Primera match. And it finished Banfield 2 Defensa y Justicia 3. So Defensa y Justicia got their first three points, having lost 3-1 to Racing on the opening weekend at home. If nothing else, from Banfield's point of view, we have learned they really, really, really need Enrique Bologna back in goal as soon as possible. He's currently injured. Gaspar Cerebio is very young, 20 maybe, for a goalkeeper. That's former former River Plate goalkeeper. Is he? Um, yes. No, no. Young, young in the, for the youth divisions, and he, I think he didn't reach uh, to play a, a, a first division t- a, a match, but he was in the real play youth divisions. When Andres says divisions, the third division would be the under 17s or something, I think, wouldn't yes. it? By, by British uh, equivalent standards. Serbio's uh, date of birth is 92, so he's 22 years old. Um, which for a goalkeeper, as I say, is, is extremely young. But he was at fault for at least two of the goals Banfield conceded in the first weekend. What's the score in the first weekend? They lost heavily, didn't they? Was it 3 0? Yes, 3 0. Yes, Godoy Cruz. Well done. He was at fault for at least two of those, just sort of not really coming for crosses and ended up stranded and scored an own goal for, for the winner for defensive of this year. Um, but I, I had watched part of the match against Godoy Cruz from, from Banfield. And it was I noticed like they are a, 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 at a lower speed than first division requires because they lost the the buying balls and, and and they lost balls. Yeah, and it was like Cody Cruz was more experienced in in, in this. Banfield are placing a lot of emphasis on attack, and they're just not quite up to that rhythm. They've had they, they've got a lot of the players who were with them in the Primera a few years ago. Omar Sarif, just from the starting eleven. Omar Sarif, uh, Nicolas Domingo, I'm not sure whether he was with Banfield when he was in the Primera, but he was certainly a former record player, right? Domingo. Yes. Um, Juan Casares, who of course is also a former record player from more recently. Uh, Ricardo Noer, who played for Boca Juniors. Santiago Salcedo, um, they've got a couple on the bench as well. But they've not played in the Primera for a big while now. Banfield have been out of the Primera, for th- they went down the season before River, didn't they? alongside Central, I think. So they've been out of the Primera for four yeah. years, if I, if I remember that right. Um, and it's showing. They, they just look that little bit short of the, as you say, of the kind of rhythm that they need um, in Primera. Godoy Cruz punished them, and now they're Fensi Justicia, uh, who admittedly are going into this with absolutely no pressure on them at all. 
first ever campaign in the Primera, there are probably going to be no relegations at the end of this season, mm-hmm. so what the hell, just go for it and enjoy themselves, and that's what they're doing. Um, well taken goals from Emiliano Terechea and Brian Fernandes, who has been the, he was also the scorer of their only goal against Racing on the opening weekend, and he's now, unfortunately, looks like he's going to miss this weekend's match for them. Um, but they just, as I say, they seem to be playing without pressure. I mean, I've enjoyed watching them so far. Yeah. If only as well, because it, you know you get to be a bit patronising. You know, look at the little bus company team, aren't they cute? Um, but there we go. Uh, they got their first win, so congratulations to them. On Sunday, we had uh, the River of Boca games that we've already talked about, uh, as well as the big Clásico, San Lorenzo's first match as reigning champions of South America, and it really was. I think as much as anything else is a case of San Lorenzo either being hungover or more probably still drunk um, from last Wednesday's celebrations because they just weren't at the races at all, were they? What, yeah. what does a, a supporter does in, a, what, a, do in no, that I'm case? No, I'm talking about the players, not the supporters. Yes, but I, I mean a reaction of winning a, a Copa Libertadores and then the four days after playing a match, losing it Badly, perhaps, 2-0 against Racing. Who cares? Uh, yes, no. Just won the first Copa Libertadores in the history. I doubt too many San Lorenzo fans are going to be jumping off the top. But this, this, this round they have to win. Mm. It's Well, it's okay. We won the Copa Libertadores. Very good. Uh, the first one in, in our story in 54 years of the Copa Libertadores. Now, they have to win again. I... Don't know. I, I think we're going to see San Lorenzo prioritising the uh, the World Club Cup from this point on. As, as South American you say that now it's throw the second half. Sa- San Bausa, it's the Pope. Then it's San Bausa and, and the, all the players that participated in the Copa Libertadores. If, if, if Bausa hasn't got some breathing space now, and they know as well, they're pointing towards the Club World Cup. That's the only thing. That in the in fact, after the the, the, the one the, the last week the, the, against the. Nacional de Paraguay, it was said that perhaps Bausa will perhaps quit the, 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 as the coach of San Lorenzo, but he finally said, no, I will be the coach of San Lorenzo the end of the year. during the, 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 the club, club World Cup in, in Morocco. And then he could take charge of the Ecuadorian national team, possibly the Peruvian national team, or he's got about three or four. South American national side, so they said to be to be interesting having on Paraguay as well. Uh, yes. He said that the Paraguay national team had approached him after the Nacional um, uh, win, uh, the, the San Lorenzo win over Nacional, sorry, in the semi-finals. Um, the other person, of course, who is going to be staying with San Lorenzo until the Club World Cup is Leandro Romagnoli, who made a very emotional farewell three minutes before the end of the final last week. He was substituted. He got a massive roaring ovation. He is. San Lorenzo instilled into one person according to all of the media now he's, he's the biggest hero in the world and it was going to be his farewell because he'd already signed a contract back in January to, to leave him to join Bahia once the, in, in Brazil once the Copa Libertadores had ended and the following day he was saying no I, I don't want to play for Bahia um, he flew to Bahia he had a, there was a clause in that contract that he'd signed in January saying if you cancel this you've got to pay us half a million dollars he said, well, here's 100000 How does that sound to you? They said, well, the contract says half a million dollars, so we'd like half a million dollars, please. And eventually they settled for 250000 I'm seriously, why the fuck sign a contract if you're going to... Anyway. Um, which, some of which, by the way, San Lorenzo put in themselves. Um, 
I was just always kind of just so he, he kept kind of going I don't want to be anywhere else but Saint Laurent so this is the club and, and I'm, I, I'm repentant of this why did he sign the contract then you dig yeah why not sign the extension but of I don't understand this pre-contract it's like previous contracts in which you, well you can play with your team and you come back in well yeah, it's, it's an agreement to, to join the club and for example with them. something like Kaká uh, did with Orlando a new team from the MLS and they left him go to Sao Paulo, Paulo and play until I think the end of year and then go back to the if, if Sao Paulo doesn't win the any cup or, or tournament continental tournament and, and he wants to stay but yeah. it's strange because you leave him go and, and, there, and then the player says oh I won I am a, I attached I am a bit very touched and I want to continue with the team. We're, we're not disputing, by the way, that Leandro Romagnoli is a massive San Lorenzo fan. Everybody knew this already. This was common knowledge when he was playing for to play. It was common knowledge you know, throughout his career. Uh, but it just seems slightly, as you say, Andres, a slightly bizarre way to behave when it's like, if you really like the club that much, then if you, if you, if you and, can't and stand the thought of going to Bahia, then don't sign a contract with Bahia. And they, and, and they gave, gave Romagnoli, you said in advance, money in advance. Yeah. Yes, of course, yeah, which he did give back to them uh, yeah. before offering them the 100,000. Uh, it, it's almost like Argentina's credit situation, isn't it? Here's 20% of what we owe you. Anyway, uh, we, we shall steer away from that uh, politically explosive discussion, particularly as we have a real-life Argentine in the room with us, um, and just mention that Racing's victory was thoroughly deserved and gives them a 100% record from two matches. It also broke club records for the biggest ever ticket sales. They took 1.6 million pesos from El after with 43,000 people in the stadium. In a way, that's kind of a non-story, really, because with inflation in Argentina, the first round of every championship, I think, probably brings record sales if you just count up the number of pesos, because the peso's not worth what it was six months ago. And so they've got to put the prices up so the number's bigger. Um, but anyway, they're reporting it, so we'll mention it. Luciano Lolo scored on the, uh, the peak of half-time, that's not the word, is it? The stroke of half-time. And Facundo Castichon added one in stoppage time after what I must say was a pretty dull second half. I didn't catch the first half, I went out for a walk because it was an unspeakably beautiful day on Sunday uh, in Buenos Aires. Um, as we've Gary already was sent off, wasn't he? Just yes, Gabriel Arce scored two goals against defensive was DC on the first weekend, got stupidly sent off. Um, this this weekend just gone so well if English Dan were here then he tells us that that's just Gabriel Alci by the way having mentioned San Lorenzo we should also mention that we did say last week that Mariano was going to be here to talk about what it was like to win his first Copa Libertadores Mariano reserved Wednesday night off work so that we could record and um, my girlfriend's birthday was on Wednesday so we were not able to record on Wednesday so we'll, we'll get Mariano on at some point in the next what we can say months. about this is that the your girlfriend is more important than Marianne. That's clear. Well, yes. on her birthday, <laughs> on, on her birthday, my girlfriend has to take precedence over Hand of Pod because on our anniversary, Hand of Pod tends to take preference over her because it's also Hand of Pod's birthday on, on the anniversary of our first day. We should go to Marianne's house, perhaps, to record some some special San Lorenzo Copa Libertadores episode. Because if not, we won't. We will have to wait until another. He'll be on at some point. We're getting on the fall World Club Cup, if nothing else. Um, the other matches on Sunday, as we mentioned already, are River Plate 2, Rosario Central 0, and Beltrano 0, Boca Juniors 1. 
Um, there was a bit of a theme of lots of te- um, most of the home teams scoring two goals this weekend because on Monday it continued. There were two matches. Uh, Quilmes scored two goals and Atletico Rafaela scored two goals, both at home. Quilmes were at home to Godoy Cruz in one of the more dramatic finishes to a fairly standard match until that point. In the 86th minute, Quilmes were 2-0 up. And by the 90th minute, not even by full time, before the game even entered stoppage time, it was 2-2. Um, thanks to a penalty from Ruben Ramirez and a late equaliser from Guillermo Cossaro. Um, good character from Godoy Cruz to come back and win that, it must be said. Uh, Gonzalo Cruzaner scored again for Quilmes, he's looked sharp so far this season. And in the other match it was Atletico de Rafaela 2, Lanús 1, Atletico looking unrecognisable from the side who got thrashed by Independiente on the opening weekend. Second consecutive match in which Quilmes starts winning and can't seal the victory. No, of course, yeah, not about the first weekend, you're right. Um, assuming that we don't count their, uh, Libertad- uh, their Copa Argentina capitulation last Tuesday, of course, in between the two league games. Um, Juan Eluchan's got sent off for Rafaela, uh, for Atletico, sorry, not Rafaela, we don't call them that, slap myself on the wrist. Um, and Silvio Romero scored again for Lanús, he started well personally, even though they were on the losing side this time. One thing that we've forgotten to mention is that Vélez Sarsfield versus Arsenal, which ended 2 1 to Vélez, as I did mention, I only mentioned the score for that one. There was something unusual, however. No, it wasn't that much. Yes, it was Vélez Arsenal, uh, uh, José Turo Flores was. Not, uh, you won't go no, on go to say on. that. No, yeah. you, you tell us what was unusual about that one. Yes, yeah. Uh, Flores, Jose Flores was the uh, Vélez manager. Yeah, he was sent off before the match started because the referee said he was late. And well, then before the match started, because it was usual to send off, send off uh, uh, managers uh, or coaches. Oh, time. If they bring the players out late you, after the break, yeah. Yes, and, and in this case, he was sent off before the match started. Then the match was two or three minutes uh, at, until it started and, and he was already sent off. So it was very bizarre because uh, the, the, the late he w- the, the, the minutes or the time he, he was late, then it, they were recovered or, 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 or uh, uh, after the match started. So it was, it was very, very funny. Indeed. And the, was, the, the match that I was thinking of with the bizarre incident was... Um, Olimpo against Tigre on Saturday, which was unusual because Jonathan Blanco scored two goals. That in itself is... Actually, that is fairly unusual, but it's not really the reason. Uh, Carlos Luna scored Tigre's goal in the 91st minute. All three goals in that match were scored from penalties. How often do you see that? I'm guessing it's happened before in football history, but I can't think it's happened very often. There was also an early contender for miss of the season in that game. Was there? Yeah, when Olimpo were already 2 0 and I can't remember who it was, but basically with the, an open goal, managed to volley open, uh, volley over the bar from a. Do the, do the names on the starting eleven on the screen there help you, Peter? It would still be a stab in the dark. And, and, and there was a strange. <laughs> it's so much attention. Yeah, <laughs> no, it really was. And, and, and there was a strange way uh, of, of shooting the penalties by. By Jonathan Blanco, uh, walking to to going for the ball and, and and just shooting the ball with no stopping and no running. He's just walking and and taking the ball. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, 
There we go. That, that's what happened last weekend in the Primera. I'm going to play some music now, partly because we need to refill our glasses and partly because I need to blow my nose and it's not going to sound pretty on the microphone. Um, apologies for that detail. This is, um, and we shall be back in a couple of minutes. Peter? No, I was just going to say, it's also uh, quite nice to see this so far, two rounds, but we haven't seen a nil-nil draw. That's very true, yeah. Which, in, fact, in the first round, I think we got to about the eighth match before we even saw a goal as first half, which I think was the first half between River and Gymnasia, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, that, that was one. That was nil-nil at half-time. Everything else was, was uh, not goalless. Of course, we, had, we only had nine games anyway um, in the first round because San Lorenzo was not even has not yet been played. But yeah, you're right, I haven't realised. Yeah. No nil-nil. Which is very nice for Argentina. Indeed it is. And as I say, we, we had a habit of uh, lots of home teams scoring two goals this weekend. Just gone Olimpo, Banfield, Belles, Racing, River, Quilmes and Atletico. So that's seven out of the ten home sides uh, scored two. Only one home team failed to score. That was Belgrano against Boca Juniors. Um, so long may it continue. Relatively high scoring football in Argentina. We don't get to see this very often. So please continue. Uh, as I say, now I'm going to play some more music. We'll come back in a couple of minutes' time for listeners' questions. Um, don't go away. this week was from the Hosel Rocketeer who asked even before I'd asked for any questions um, here's a question for your great podcast thank you very much um, he says Rojo to Man United £16 million thoughts given Van Gaal's preference for 3-5-2 um, I suspect that we have already answered that question already use of already twice in one sentence there I'm ashamed of myself sorry I suspect that we have already answered that question um, earlier on in the podcast hopefully we have uh, but as we said already, um, he's probably going to play as left-sided centre-back and from time to time if Luke Shaw gets injured and Ashley Young gets injured and whoever's third choice gets injured, he can also fill in at left wing-back. So he should be useful even though he's not particularly a big upgrade on, on the three first-choice um, centre-backs that United already had. Um, he also says, uh, list of question, if Boca Juniors are looking inside Argentina to bolster their squad, as we suggested last week, who should be on their shopping list? It's very difficult to say because who should be on their shopping list and who actually is on their shopping list and who's realistic because finance is such a huge problem in Argentina as well and no one's really got any money. Um, I think Jonathan Caleri this season just got for All Boys, who's now joined Boca, obviously, and might well make his debut this weekend. Sensible signing, on the face of it. I, I think he could be a good player for them, but it's so difficult to tell when you have no way of knowing how they're going to react to the pressure of having the Boca shirt on for the first time. It, it, it sounds like such a cliche, and it also sounds like an enormous amount of brown-nosing to the, the big clubs, but in Argentina it seems to be the case that, particularly when players move to, to Boca and to River, they sometimes struggle to adapt. It was happening with River basically a decade. It started happening around a decade ago when they started getting players who looked promising and just didn't have the 
presence that it took to fill the shirt, and that was one of the things. Uh, and I realised that I'm starting to sound like a really fanatical kind of red and white cop star Liverpool fan when I say the shirt, but um, bear with me. Um, that was one of the things that kind of led to Rivers' decline, as well as a lot of map management and, and corruption, obviously, at board level as well. Um, it seems to be happening to an extent with Boca now. Not helped by the fact that Carlos Bianchi doesn't really seem to I think, I think what happens with Boca right now is that you see when there is a team that it goes all... Uh, you, you, you see one player, then you see one, one, another player, and the team is the same. In the case of Boca, it's the other way around. You, you can put any player you want, and the team won't, it won't respond. It's like, yeah. it's like something that has to do with, with the confidence, with the, 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 how the team has been playing uh, from, since Bianchi is the coach. Which is, is not how they are not fluent. They are not like they look like they are not confident. They have no confidence uh, to, with their teammates, and, and uh, uh, the only one that has already been has already proved to be uh, to, to to have the capacity to to, to put uh, the Boca T-shirt and and, and, and work is. Uh, Federico Carrizo, the one I, I had already told. Uh, then it's, it's all a, a big question mark because you don't know uh, if they will have the have you, the way you say uh, the presence to uh, lift Boca from the moment they are they are passing because it was yeah. uh, Belgrano was a, a simple victory, good victory in terms of confidence perhaps of. Well, we won a match, uh, uh, even though we didn't play very good, uh, but that's it. And the, other, it. the other thing as well is, is just that whatever the people who are in charge of Boca Juniors' physical training are doing, Boca would be better off just firing them and not doing any physical training at all. They would get fewer injuries if that happened. Have you seen Boca's injury list at the, at the moment, this week, like today? The following players for Boca were not able to train yesterday. Fernando Gago, Guillermo Bordizo, Juan Manuel Martinez, Agustino Rion, Cristian Herbes, Emiliano in, uh, Emmanuel Insua, Juan Forlin, Pablo Ledesma. That's eight. And that's eight players who, all of whom, arguably, would be in the starting eleven if they were fit. It's just astonishing. And we were taking the piss out of Boca this time last year for it. We were taking the piss out of Boca last December for it when the day before their final match of the year, they got their 60th injury of the year. And then I, I read and that it's they, happened throughout the first yes. half of this year and it's still happening. What on earth? I read that they broke a record of yeah. injuries. Um, and, you know, obviously the, the whole, as, as Joel mentioned, in fact, in the episode in which they hit 60 injuries, it's a bit kind of the media dress it up a bit and kind of make it into a really good thing but it, you can't help but wonder what the fuck are they doing in training to come up with and it's all um, adductor injuries or thigh injuries it's all muscle injuries uh, it, it, it's not as if you know they're going in really hard on one another and accidentally you know breaking a leg um, in training due, or, or even indeed in a match due to a hefty challenge it's all preventable injuries that it might have to do with training methods because uh, it's not bad luck, bad luck, and that's, it's that's not precisely my point. Yeah, they, they've yes. got to be doing something wrong, surely. And not bad luck, and not uh, stress, because it's no the same pressure that it, every team has, and the the only. Well, in fact, that might be something, though, isn't it? Because it's not the same pressure every team. Not the same, but uh, in, in, in Boca, the pressure is much more. 
just the same but as much in, more... during the relegation season yes. you have far more pressure than another team in the relegation battle because they're River so to an extent maybe it could be stressed but even so that number of injuries is yes. it's ridiculous and we're not talking as well all about players who've just moved to Boca from no disrespect men Crucero del Norte or Instituto actually no Instituto a massive club in Cordoba so that wouldn't really count but you know from a smaller club with fewer expectations on them um, we're talking about Fernando Gago Agustin Orion Juan Manuel Martinez these are not players who are coming to Boca suddenly and thinking oh I've never played anywhere like this before this is uh, and, and finding that pressure on their shoulders um, so I don't think it can be the reason realistically speaking uh, the other thing that we're seeing now is that Pablo Ledesma uh, hasn't trained long I've only just seen this um, he, he claims to be injured uh, ahead of a reserve team match uh, last week apparently and uh, they've done some scams on him and they can't find an injury and it would appear now apparently that Boca's directors think that he just didn't want to play the reserve match <laughs> so he pretended to be injured I think he wasn't at Boca not nor First division, neither reserves. I, I think he was like left apart and yeah, and, and that's it. And this is it. But he, he he's playing the reserves when when he's not injured, on, or when he doesn't prevent a uh, uh, pretends he's injured. Indeed, apparently had a bit of an argument with Agustin Orion as well, um, and his contract's up in December. So they're basically saying they're just going to let him take the piss out of them for another few months and then let him go. Uh, which is fine by us at Hunter Pot. I imagine um, Boca are fairly relieved to see that Raquelme is continuing his... Yes, Juan Ramon Raquelme missed Argentinos Juniors second division result. Anybody know the result? This is no, how much attention we're paying to the B now there are no big five teams left in it. They drew nil nil, I think. Away to someone. Here we go, come on. I'm going to load. Uh, they drew 1-1 away to Instituto funnily enough the club I just mentioned um, he missed that one and he's also going to be missing this weekend we hear um, when hello they've not given me the option to click through there when Argentinos host somebody uh, some other team from their bit of the second division uh, let's see who it is although he did have another Asala he'd love to get to Asala yes yes he does and it's Mate, as we know. Um, he, he was the Asador, in fact, by the look of it, it looks like, um, according to that little report. Uh, he's going to be out against Gimnasio de Jujuy this coming Saturday. Um, so if you're coming to Buenos Aires and you want to drop down to the second division and see Juan Román Riquelme at close quarters, Argentino Stadium is possibly the best place to do it, uh, because it's very close quarters to the pitch. Um, but you'll have to take pot luck, unfortunately, as to whether he's actually going to play or not. Anyway, that was a rather winded, long-winded answer to a question, and we didn't really answer the question. <laughs> Who should Boca look to sign? A lot of people. I mean, the answer would be most of the best players, apart from strikers, right? Because as we mentioned last week, the strike force is actually not bad. Um, but yeah, how they put the team together seems to be a major problem as well. Yeah, I mean, that, that, I get, like, well, we discussed it, that, those sort of problems last week, but I think a lot of that does fall on Bianchi's head. I mean, he yeah. brought in a hell of a lot of players since coming in indeed um, you look at the team frankly it's probably the worst block aside for yeah because I, I think the problem as much as anything is not so much who should they look to buy from inside Argentina as which players who they've left in the last two years 
which they probably not have let go as well. Um, Tom Robinson says, who do you think has been the best unheralded signing, in his opinion? Gaston Diaz going to Racing would be a good suggestion. As I say, I think Caleri, if he gets the chance at Boca, and if he reacts better than, than most have done so far, could well prove to be one. He's, he's only a kid. Uh, he's likely, I think, to replace my man Martinez this weekend. Um, so he could be one. Aside from that, I'm struggling to think of any unheralded ones, mostly because in my previews and whatnot, I tend to have to concentrate on the big names that are going in and out. We can't say Diego Manito, can we? He's yes. fairly heralded as these things go. I think as heralded as the national transfer window can be. Yes, can possibly be. Uh, he was by a distance the signing of the, the winter, but um, we can't possibly answer it because he doesn't fit in with the, the uh, requirements of the question. Um, anyone else? Hard, hard to. It's pretty, yeah. early. pretty early. Although, speaking of signings, has anyone seen uh, Jaime? Ayobi's quote today the Ecuadorian has just joined Godoy Cruz on loan brilliant he says uh, I'm really really delighted to be here you're thinking yeah this is good if you're a Godoy Cruz fan you're thinking yeah this, this guy's clearly got the I, I'm, I'm so happy to, to, to arrive here in Argentina oh yeah okay next thing he says is going to be something nice about the club and then he says this is a league with so many big clubs in it and I'm going to get to play against them <laughs> How delighted would you be if you were a Godoy Cruz fan and you heard someone say that? Um, uh, so I'm going for him to be one of the less good unheralded signings. Uh, if Might be the reason why he's had so many transfers in his quite short career. Yes, he's only about 23 or 24. <laughs> he's gone through about six or seven clubs already. It's ridiculous. Um, I was tweeted shortly after tweeting that quote um, by somebody who said that he can't remember him having a single good game in Ecuador as well, which is promising. Um, yeah, in Mexico he's... In Mexico, sorry, yeah, not Ecuador. Yeah, huge amount of teams. Yeah. Um, Darren Paul asks, two wins from Racing. Is this championship form? And also, how hungover were San Lorenzo on Sunday? As I hinted, I think they might very well have not particularly given a toss. Uh, one of the San Lorenzo players, I can't remember who it was, mentioned how phenomenal the atmosphere was at Racing as well. Racing obviously had Diego Milito coming back for his first home game back at the club after 10 years in Europe. 11 years in Europe in fact I think um, and, and they normally have fairly noisy fans and one of the ra- young racing defenders in, on the bench I think gave an interview with Ole and said yeah that my spine was tingling when we came out of the top which is never a great thing to hear from the away side um, but yes I think it's safe to say that Sonoran so I didn't give too much of a crap about it racing so far then yes indeed 100% record is the former champions but they're racing so they're not going to do that I think Racing and Vélez both are are candidates right now because they have won two of two matches long term listeners will know exactly what I mean when I say you can't count Racing as candidates especially in the second round because they're going to find a way of copying that if if they're still top or joint top after the 18th round of matches has been played then we can say yeah okay, there's a chance that they might win this league until then they're going to find a way of shitting the bed somehow you know they are (laughs) Possibly starting in next midweek, is it the Classico fourth round? Yes, which is the midweek yes. round in the middle of next week. If not, it might be the fifth round because that would make more sense. Uh, I think it's the fifth. Yeah, it's, it's on a Sunday, isn't it? Got moved from Saturday to Sunday the other day. Um, when they play independently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, resident independiente fan Peter doesn't seem entirely convinced by that. And finally, Santi asks, who is the best in bed with Maradona one hundred prospect from Argentina? 
Um, to which the only answer I can give is that I don't know because they have not asked me to look over the Argentine section of the list this year, so I haven't seen any of the names. Sorry. Uh, no, yeah. Unless they've asked one of you two to do it, in which case, <laughs> no, please <laughs> let us know. And, sorry, and I'll be letting Jeff know how, uh, how offended I am by this. No, um, don't worry, they haven't. But um, no, I've not seen any names on the list yet. If you're asking who would we nominate, actually, that's just occurred to me while I was reading the question out. Um, the, what, what's rule, the, the rule, I think, is that they have to have been born, I think they have to be under 21 in December. Mm. I'd go for Tevis. Acosta. Oh, it's easy, it's obvious, but I'm going for Mauricio Tevis. Lautaro Acosta. Ooh, okay. He fits the bill of being underneath, but also we mentioned earlier, Ezequiel Ponce. And how old's Federico Carrizo, the other guy that we mentioned earlier? It's bizarre, isn't it? We've spent most, uh, a fair bit of the podcast slagging off Boca Juniors. Carrizo is in fact 23 already, so he doesn't count. And uh, we've just come up with a couple of names who are playing in that. No, team. I mean, I just saw Acosta was in the, in Ole earlier this week because um, Bruges had made an offer to. You said Lautaro Acosta or is Luciano Acosta? Luciano Acosta. Ah. I think he said Lautaro and. Ah, yeah, right. Yeah, 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 the new Boca. But it's incredible how he didn't have any any minutes of play. Mm. And with think, number 10 teachers, not staff. I think I read in the story Castellan. to say that Bruges had tried to sign him that he was injured and that he was perhaps going to play in the reserve game at the weekend. I don't know if he did. I see. We can probably find out, but it would take a while to do so, so we're not going to bother. Uh, but that, yes, look out for it. Um, that's all the questions for this week. So we're going to go away now. You'll hear one more piece of music. And when it, when it ends, I will be here, Mystic Sam will be here, telling you what to bet on this weekend in the upcoming Primera matches. Do not go away. Arsenal de Sarandí versus Olimpo de Bahia Blanca on Friday. I think that that's going to be a draw, with Arsenal still struggling to adjust to quite a big turnover of players by their standards over winter. Tigre versus Racing Club also on Friday evening. Um, almost certainly low goal scoring, and I think that Racing are going to scrape an away win, having just poo-pooed their championship chances. Um, Gimnasia y Prima La Plata against Rosario Central. I think it's going to be a draw. Newell's Old Boys versus Belgrano. Newell's ought to get a win in spite of their injuries in attack. Independiente versus Vélez Sarsfield. I'm going for a draw in that one as well. San Lorenzo against Banfield. San Lorenzo home win. Um, Banfield's defence, as we mentioned earlier, just does not look like a defence at all. Um, or even like a collection of human beings who've met each other before at times. Lanús versus Estudiantes, uh, I think is going to be a home win mostly because Lanús, have you seen Lanús' record in the league at home? Of the last nine matches, they've won seven and drawn two. But they have, quite astonishing. They have lost the Suruga Bank, the Copa Sudamericana, Copa well, Argentina. The Suruga Bank and the Copa Argentina weren't at home, but they did lose the first round, the first leg of the uh, Super Copa, okay. the, the, the Red Copa Sudamericana, yeah. Um, but in the league, seven wins and two draws in the last nine games. Defensa y Justicia versus Quilmes, I think, is going to be a Defensa y Justicia victory, their first home win in the Primera. Boca Juniors versus Atletico de Rafaela, I think, is going to be a Boca Juniors win. 
having spent most of the podcast slagging them off this week. And Godoy Cruz versus River Plate, I think is going to be a draw in Mendoza. Anyone have any thoughts on those? Mm, no. Normally you ask for strong disagreements, so I'm going to say no. Does anyone have any strong disagreements? No. no. Or agreements? No. Independent chances are going to let us speak to what do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Vela's have won their two games, but haven't been particularly impressive in doing so. Mm. Independiente have had one rather impressive game and one not so. So, I mean, it, yeah, yeah your draw is just probably perhaps a fair. Halfway between yeah, the two, basically. Um, Andres River away to Godoy Cruz. River had a very poor away record during the Donnell final, considering they won the title. And of course, Godoy Cruz were the only team who didn't lose to River when they played in the Monumental. Um, they, they managed the last minute 2 1. No, it's, for me, it's okay. It's, it would be a draw. But there is something I, I want to say, which is that last weekend there were, there were two coaches that made uh, big changes, which were Marcelo Gallardo for River, because we have to say that against Gimnasia, uh, he tried to invent something weird, which was putting Leonardo Poncio and Osmar Ferreira and well it wasn't good and uh, for uh, for the match against uh, Rosario Central they, he went back to uh, the previous midfield which was Carnabiter and, and, and uh, Rojas and well and, and for the for independent in the independent side and we a lot of changes uh, too and it wasn't good. In the case of River it was good. So different results, but the same, uh, uh, perhaps number of changes or, or, or type of changes, and, and in River was uh, the result was good, and in the end it wasn't so 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 good with Pisano polemic uh, exit of the team. Indeed, um, Andres just mentioned someone it might from River just to give some balance. Um, you might make it onto that list of young players in Granavita. Uh, Kranometer certainly, especially, yes, not sure how I forgot him after his performance at the weekend, uh, along with Tao, he was just brilliant in yes. midfield, and night and day as and, well, and given Ramiro the weekend, of course, he'd been left on the bench yeah. away to And Ramiro Funes-Mori, who made, forgive, for, forget uh, uh, Alvarez Valante a bit. Yeah. I think that when, if Alvarez Valante is good, in good physical form, which wasn't the case, for Sunday match, he will be the in the starting eleven uh, lineup. But mm. at least we can say that there is a substitute. That uh, well, if if Alvarez Valanta finally is uh, sold, uh, we have a a good uh, substitute. Yes, absolutely. Um, on that note, we're going to bid you farewell, dear listeners, for another week or just under a week, hopefully, because next weekend. Oh no, hang on. Next week we have a midweek round of matches. Um, it's the only hang on it was originally scheduled to be the only midweek round of matches in the Donnell Transition but obviously once everything gets bumped back a week I don't know if there's going to be another midweek round later on in the in the year but for now at least uh, next week's a midweek round again so there'll be games played there'll be no games on Monday there'll be games on Tuesday Wednesday Thursday for the fourth round um, of the Donnell Transition and then none on Friday so we're going to record 
who even knows when at the moment we'll sort it out uh, next week um, and for now enjoy this weekend's football and possibly enjoy either all of or some of next midweek's football before you hear us next um, from goodbye and thank you from Andres bye goodbye from Peter goodbye and goodbye from me goodbye Thank you.